I am here in sunny Florida. It is the land of freedom, of sunshine, and of medical skepticism. It's, I don't know, we've been having a blast. We've been down in Miami, um, which is great. I mean, it's like summertime here coming from like a foot of snow back in the Northeast. It's been absolutely lovely. The only thing is, I don't know if you can tell, um, did you guys ever see that episode of Friends where they go to Barbados and Monica's hair is the gag throughout the whole episode where it just keeps growing and growing and growing because of the humidity? That has been my real life the last couple of days. Um, but, so that's why I haven't been on Locals quite as much because my hair, my hair is outside of the frame here. Um, no, in all seriousness, I came down to Florida to see if it actually is illegal to say gay here, like the leftist media and the Democrats tell me that it is. Turns out that's a lie, obviously. Turns out it's you're allowed to say gay here in Florida that what you're not allowed to do, thanks to the Republican legislator in the legislature in the state of Florida, is you are not allowed to groom children for sexual abuse. You're not allowed to turn kindergartners into um into the transgender ideology, which is wonderful. We were here because on Thursday, or we are here, still here. Um, because on Thursday, I was on the Patrick Bet David show on Val at Valuetainment, which was a fabulous experience. Um, we talked for almost two hours. The episode went for two hours. We covered about 20 different topics on the show. And it, it was it was fun. His, his set is actually in a bank vault. So a, a real bank vault. It's not just made to look like that in the background, which is what I thought when I first went in. It's actually an old vault in an old bank, um, which is cool, I guess, kind of soundproof cool background. Um, so we had a really good time. We talked a lot about what's happening in Russia and Ukraine and gas prices here. And one of the things that I noticed over the weekend, especially if you pull up MSNBC's website, they, their headlining story, or at least early this morning when I first looked, um, their headlining story was how this is Putin's price hike, how Biden is not responsible for, in Los Angeles, gas is $7 a gallon, $7 a gallon. And this apparently is not Biden's fault. It's apparently Putin's fault. This is a flat out lie, my friends. It, it is a pernicious lie because they're telling it to you on purpose as you are the ones that suffer. Because make no mistake, Jen Psaki and Joe Biden and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Nancy Pelosi, they don't actually care if their gas prices, if they, if they pay more to fill up their gas tank. It doesn't matter to the elitists. It matters to you and it matters to me because if you have to pay $50 more per week to fill up your tank when you're already living paycheck to paycheck, that makes a difference in how you're able to work and how you're able to provide for your family. And if you have any excess money and if you can save and if you're stressed because of finances, the elitists that cause these crises, it doesn't impact them. It impacts us. So I, I, when I see these headlines from MSNBC, all over Twitter, from all the mainstream media, from Biden himself, Biden himself essentially called us stupid for trying to blame him for the rising gas prices. These people are doing this intentionally. They know it's their fault. In fact, the entirety of what is happening in Russia and Ukraine is tied to Biden's terrible energy policy. If Biden had not rendered the U.S. dependent on foreign oil, if he had not made us purchase Russian oil, if he had continued the trajectory towards energy independence that Trump started, if he had not put a moratorium on fracking and demonized drilling and making it seem like oil and natural gas are going to cause, are causing climate change, which is going to cause our earth to implode in 11 or 12 years, this catastrophe, if Biden had not done all of these things, if he had put sanctions on Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline, if, if, he was a, if he was realistic instead of idiotic, then we wouldn't be seeing what we're seeing with the gas prices. So Putin's price hike 
is, yes, it's a very catchy slogan from the left. And that's exactly how we should view it. When we hear this, we should say, oh, that's a slogan they're using on us. It is a lie. Bidenflation is real. What happens when the government spends tons of money? Inflation happens. When inflation happens, coupled with energy dependence, rendering the United States not energy independent anymore, then yeah, gas prices go up. And the people causing it, Biden and his friends, they don't suffer, we do. I'm Liz Wheeler, welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. So we're here in Florida, which has become, I mean, the spotlight on Florida is, I mean, a delight to see if you're conservative, right? It's a delight to see not only the COVID reality here, the fact that the government is following the science on COVID-19, whether it's relating to masks, there's no mask mandates, whether it's relating to tyranny, there's no vaccine passports, whether it's related to vaccine requirements or recommendations, the Florida Surgeon General will not recommend the COVID vaccine to healthy children, um, which is great. Obviously, we talked about that last week. There's an article, though, from Politico, which I... Think is quite something. It's a, it's called Why Florida is Ground Zero for America's Culture War. And this is what it says. It says, State Senator Chev Jones stood before his colleagues in the legislature this week amid the debate over the bill opponents dubbed Don't Say Gay and opened up in a way in a way rarely seen in a way rarely seen in the Florida State Capitol. Jones, a black Democrat who's the first, the state's first openly gay senator, told his fellow Democratic and Republican lawmakers about his experience coming out, living the truth, Jones said prompted church members to leave his father's congregation, friends to stop speaking to him and his own family members to make jokes about him. He says, just imagine living your life of 30 years, coming to your parents and talking about who you are and you're lying to them about who you are. He attempted to convince the GOP-led Senate to weaken the bill officially called the Parental Rights and Education Bill, which explicitly bans teachers from leading lessons on sexual orientation and gender identity for students in kindergarten or third grade. So this is the thing. This is what every time people talk about this so-called don't say gay bill, which as we know, is an anti-groomer bill, they forget a very crucial part of this. This bill applies only to kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third grade. So four, five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds. Little tiny children. We're talking like children without their front teeth. These are babies that we're talking about. And so when the left is coming out so strongly against this bill, which would, yes, prohibit teachers from talking about transgenderism with your five-year-old girl, um, we should remind everyone that this is about tiny children, tiny, tiny children, and they shouldn't be learning about sex at all in school. Five-year-olds shouldn't be learning about any kind of sex, nothing. They're not sexual beings. They are kids. They are kids. Um, and yet the Democrats have, the Democrats are horrified. They're pretending that you can't say gay about this bill. We've talked about this a lot. I don't want to, I don't want to be repetitive here, but this article about the overall culture war that's happening in Florida this is what they say. This is what political rights. Passage of the bill was, in many ways, the culmination of a legislative session in the nation's third largest state, unlike any in recent history. In a session in which the GOP-led legislature's constant focus on culture war issues resulted in lawmakers approving policies to grant more power to parents over what their children learn, heighten scrutiny on school instruction and books, and ensure there will be turnover among local school boards, which have been frequent targets of the state GOP. Together, the proposals touted as banner legislation give Governor Ron DeSantis and other Republicans fuel for the 2022 midterm elections as education has been thrust into the spotlight since the COVID-19 pandemic began and helped spark a bash backlash in the suburbs and swing states. Just wait, though. 
The GOP, it says, also passed a strict ban on all abortions after 15 weeks, approved an immigration measure that bars state entities from doing business with companies that transport undocumented migrant children to Florida and create a new election police unit that DeSantis touted amid an effort by some Republicans to do a full-blown audit of the 2020 election. At each step along the way, there has been raw emotional debate that featured harrowing accounts from members of both parties. But listen to this. This is perhaps the quote that best exemplifies the attitude of the Democratic Party. This is from Lauren Book, the state Democratic leader. She says, I look forward to a time when we're able to get back to fighting for the real issues facing Floridians instead of these ridiculous culture war distractions that do nothing to meet the needs of everyday people. Ridiculous culture war distractions that do nothing to meet the needs of everyday people. So what is she talking about? She's talking about not teaching kindergartners to be transgender. She's talking about no critical race theory taught in public schools. She's talking about parents having the ability to see what their children are being taught, curriculum transparency. She's talking about school board elections to make sure that there's a turnover, that there's not a monopoly on how our schools are being run when they're running poorly. She's talking about election integrity legislation. She's talking about abortion legislation. By the way, remember, remember that the vast majority of people, 80% of the American people think abortion should be illegal in the third trimester. 60% think abortion should be illegal in the second trimester. Um, that's what this bill does. It takes what the majority of people believe and codifies it into law. These, she said, are ridiculous culture war distractions that do nothing to meet the needs of everyday people. The Democratic Party, these radical leftists, are so far removed from our gas tanks, from what we, the American people, experience every day. They are so intent on pushing their radical leftist agenda that they're willing to let, let us suffer. What's happening in Florida is a culture war. This is exactly what red states across the country should be doing. In fact, DeSantis is, DeSantis is, I don't need to tell you, acting in a way that should be an example for every Republican governor across the country. This is how DeSantis handled, uh, handled the criticism from Disney when Disney criticized him for his support of the so-called Don't Say Gay Bill. Take a listen to this. So here's what I can tell you. Uh, in the state of Florida, uh, we are not going to allow them to inject transgenderism into kindergarten. <laughs> First graders shouldn't have uh, woke gender ideology imposed in their curriculums. And that is what we're standing for because we're standing for the kids and we're standing for the parents. Uh, and I can tell you this, there, the chance that I am going to back down from my commitment to students and back down from my commitment to parents' rights yeah. simply because of fraudulent media narratives or pressure from woke corporations, the chances of that are zero. The reason why this is such a power move by DeSantis is not only is he right, of course he's right, Disney is never going to pull out of Florida, never. They have their roots so deep here. They can't just transport their, their amusement park to some other state. This is not the NBA that's boycotting Georgia or, you know, the different, different corporations that are boycotting North Carolina after the transgender bathroom bill. No, Disney is never going to leave. So all of the leverage is in DeSantis's court here. He has all the negotiating power. He can say, he can ignore Disney as he should. They're a corporation. Um, he can ignore them without any repercussions. They are not going to leave. He should not let them wield any power over how he governs. I know, I know that Disney gives, um, they're one of the biggest political donors in the States. Okay, that doesn't mean they're a voter. It doesn't mean that they can control 
DeSantis. In fact, if they do control DeSantis, based on the fact that they're a big political donor, then DeSantis would be a sellout. So he's doing the right thing and he's demonstrating that he's doing the right thing. The, the other part of this, um, this culture war that we're experiencing in Florida right now is the fact that Democrats are very scared. They're scared because there's not very many issues in our country where one where a politician from one party can draw voters from another party. Um, not very many issues at all. People are very set ideologically where they are. And so it's a difficult, it's a difficult sell for a politician to convince a voter from another party to cross the aisle and um, and vote for him or vote for her. Republicans aren't very good at doing that with Democrats. Democrats aren't very good at doing that with, with Republicans. That's why we hear so often about the independent vote, the centrist vote, because they're the only ones maybe that change their mind. Um, but there's a very interesting statistic about coming out of Texas, actually, which I think applies to Florida, which I want to talk about in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Nutrafol. So we all know that half of the people who watch my show right now are balding men. There's no shame in that. I am here to tell you today there's a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier, healthier hair and whole body wellness. Now, as you know, I'm sitting here in Dave Rubin's studio in the great state of Florida. We had the funniest conversation back in October at NatCon. He was in the room with me while I was filming my show. And he tells me, hey, I use Nutrafol. I was losing my hair and I take this and I, I take the supplement and look at my look at my head of hair because I complimented him on his hair like five minutes before that. Nutrafol is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, visible scalp coverage without compromise. It's made of 21 potent natural ingredients that support sex drive, better sleep and less stress. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three and six months. That's why it's recommended by 1,500 top doctors. So you too can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show. Just go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code Liz. You will save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere. It's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, and use my promo code Liz. Nutrafol.com, promo code Liz. Okay, so in Texas right now, there's a battle over whether the state's going to be red or whether the state's going to be blue. And um, a Voice of America news report um, reported this. This is so fascinating about the Latino vote in Texas. They wrote, in 2016, then-Republican candidate Donald Trump received less than 28% of the vote in Hildago County, the most populous of Texas border counties, and one in which Latinos account for 93% of the population. In his 2020 re-election bid, Trump scored almost 41% of that vote. Last year, Hildago's county's largest city, McAllen, we've all heard of McAllen, Texas, right? It's a border city, elected its first Republican mayor in 24 years. So I read this and I thought, wow, that's really significant uh, increase in the number of Latino voters in Texas who were Democrats and now are voting Republican. And that's not just true in Texas. That's not just true in a border city in Texas. That's also true in other states, whether it be California, whether it be Arizona, whether it be Florida, where there are populations, concentrated populations of Latino voters. And the reason for this is Latino voters are not ideologically tied to the Democratic Party. They are tied to the interests of their families, the interests of their families at school, the interests of their families um, when it comes to border security, the interests of their families when it comes to jobs and their ability to provide even, even immigration issues, but certainly issues that relate to school and transparency and school choice and curriculums and critical race theory and um, all, all of these different things that the Democrats are trying to, trying to indoctrinate our children with Latinos. 
even though they've traditionally been a democratic, a democratic demographic, they are switching their vote to Republican because of these issues, which I find to be fascinating. I find this to be an opportunity that Republicans should not miss. Not that I ever advocate for politicians to pander to any demographic, of course not. But what politicians on both sides of the aisle, maybe particularly Republicans, miss what they do incorrectly or what they do poorly often is they fail to listen to exactly what the needs or the desires of different demographics are and then respond to those needs. Instead, Republicans say, listen, let me tell you about my platform and what's good about my platform. Instead of saying, let me listen to what matters to you, and then I will meet you at what you need and show you how my political platform serves your needs. That's what conservatives should do. They should say, okay, are you a Latino who lives by the border? This border security um, policy that we favor as conservatives, this limited government sovereignty approach that we need to be a nation, we need borders, this best serves you in your needs for your the safety of your family at the border. We should say the same thing for young moms. We should say, listen, um, it's in your interest to not be sucked in by the abortion industry. It's in your interest to know the truth about the gender pay gap. We, we understand that you both want schooling for your children and you want to be able to maybe have a more flexible career. Here's why our limited government approach that creates a robust economy that gives you options so that you can work and send your child to the school that you want. Here's why our policy best serves your pre-existing needs. The same thing with any other demographic. I mean, you can, you, can, you can do this individually. You can do this with generalizations as it comes to demographics. The Republican Party has never been the best at doing this. And they should because there are opportunities this, this election cycle, 2022 and moving into 2024, that Republicans have to poach Democratic voters. And as I said, there aren't very many topics where, or aren't very many policy positions where it's easy for one party to poach another party's voters. And Republicans have a very unique opportunity to do so. Now, who's the best? Who's the best politician to do this? Who's the best presidential nominee to fulfill this? Is it President Trump running again in 2024? Is it Ron DeSantis? Is it Ted Cruz? Is it Nikki Haley? Who is this? Well, there's a new Wall Street Journal poll that came out just last Friday that shows us something very interesting. I want to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Moink Box. Do you hear the sound? Do you hear the sizzling? Well, if you could see, if you could taste this filet mignon from moinkbox.com, you would order it right now. But for now, let me tell you, it's delicious. My husband is not vegan. My husband eats meat. My husband likes when I cook him the salmon or the pork or the bacon. I made him literally an entire bacon package on a plate, cooked it all for him, and he loved it. Moink delivers to your home grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon. This, by the way, helps family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. That is good. Their animals are raised outdoors. Their fish swim wild in the ocean. And Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all other junk that you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. So sign up at moinkbox.com slash Liz. Use my URL to get a free, a year of free filet mignon and then pick what meats that you want delivered with your first box. You can change what you get every month, cancel anytime. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash Liz right now and get free filet mignon for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste. But for a limited time, it's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Liz. That's moinkbox.com slash Liz. Okay, so the Wall Street Journal um, released a poll from Friday showing that in a hypothetical 2024 matchup between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, you ready for this? Dun-da-da-da. They're tied 
This is perhaps the most anticlimactic poll that I've ever heard. However, I do think it tells us something very important. Think about the state of our nation right now. Think about how much you are paying to fill up your gas tank. Think about the fact that we are on the brink of a NATO-Russia war, which means a U.S.-Russia war, thanks to Joe Biden not putting sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Think about the fact that the radical left is trying to indoctrinate your kindergartner with transgenderism, trying to teach your high schooler about critical race theory in the 1619 Project, that you are canceled, essentially, if you're a conservative. Think about that men are losing due process thanks to the Me Too movement, that we are facing Marxism and the Great Reset. Think about the state of our nation. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I'm not trying to be apocalyptic. I'm just saying. This is the reality of what we're facing right now. How is it possible that after one year of Joe Biden, where not one aspect of our lives has been improved by Joe Biden, there is no, there is no category where we are better off now than we were before Joe Biden, right? That's how, that's how we the people always, always rank or rate how presidents do. You're like, yeah, we can talk about the political policies, but ultimately we, it, it comes down to the question, are we better off now than we were, you know? On, that's under Obama when Trump was president. We ask, like, are we better off under Trump? Are we better off under Obama? Are we better off under Biden? One year later, we are not better off in any way, shape, or form under Biden. Yet, yet, in a matchup between Biden and Trump, it's still only 45 to 45. Like, how is this not a blowaway victory for Donald Trump? How is this not, how is Biden getting more, a higher percentage of hypothetical votes in this poll than he gets in his approval rating? I mean, by double digits. Well, the reason for this is something that we as conservatives should think about um, in a very serious way. In fact, I actually think that I should do a full episode on the strategy Republicans should implement in 2024, going in after the midterms, going into 2024. And how early is too early? Or when is the appropriate time to start talking about who our 2024 nominee should be? The state of the world might be very different in 2024. Is it too early to talk about it? I don't, I don't think it is. I think that we should start talking about this and we should ask ourselves a very difficult question. The difficult question being, should President Trump be the 2024 nominee or should it be someone else? And we shouldn't be tribalist when we ask this question. We should actually be very sharky when we ask this question because we want to win the presidency. We want to win the White House in 2024. And we want to make sure that we have the best person, not only to win the election, but the best person who will be governing. And it's a difficult question for a lot of us to ask because um, a lot of us support President Trump. I mean, I personally thought he was a very good president. I disagreed with how he handled COVID, but I thought the first three years he did a very good job. I think he has a singular understanding of the deep state. And um, having been a target of the deep state, he understands it very well. I, I think, however, that the emotional reaction that the mainstream media and the left have successfully engendered against Trump, just the very idea of Trump, whether it's his face, whether it's his name, the emotional reaction to Trump has over, it overrides people's rational thinking. So people could be like, wow, I'm paying five or six or $7 for my gas prices right now. Um, yet I would still vote for Biden who did this versus President Trump because, ooh, I'd rather pay a little bit extra for gas than have President Trump in office. That's that's very irrational thinking. That's very emotional, fear-driven, hate-driven thinking. And the mainstream media and the Democrats, unfortunately, have been very successful in indoctrinating a large, a large number of people in our country to think like this. So as I said, this should be an entirely different episode where we address each of the hard questions about um, 2024 and who is the most likely to win 
not only the campaign, but who's the most likely to be the best president. Um, that being said, that being said, um, we're at a point right now where the American people are on the side of the policies that Republicans are pushing. Even President Trump um, at his rally this past week promised to ban critical race theory at the federal level from, from schools and from the federal government. If, if not just in 2024, but if Congress, if Republicans win back Congress in 2022, and that's great. That's great. You can contrast that, by the way, with Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke, who's trying to run for governor of Texas, which basically means the Democrats have given up. Um, he actually came out against critical race theory as well. Surprise, surprise. Take a listen to this. I think you and I probably are both on the same page as well. Um, we, we don't uh, see CRT being taught in our schools right now. It is, it's a course that is taught in law school. No, I don't think it should be taught in, in our schools. Now, here's the thing. I do not believe Beto O'Rourke. He is a liar. He is an opportunist. He obviously is not opposed to critical race theory. If you listen to every other thing he's ever said, he is just saying this because he thinks it's what the American people want to hear because it is what the American people want to hear. This is what they want to hear. They just, I mean, we want to hear it from a sincere person who actually has the intention of eradicating critical race theory, not from, you know, a lying, embarrassing politician like Beto O'Rourke, who's just maybe the most pathetic politician in the country here. The point of this is, the point of this is contrast. As we look into 2024, contrast what we have right now with what we had under President Trump and what we could have in 2024. And what I mean by this is Trevor Noah, who is maybe the least funny comedian out there. I'm not sure how he actually earned the title of comedian. I've never seen a bit that he's done that has actually made me laugh and not cringe. And I'm not, I'm not saying that as someone like, I can laugh as, at a liberal comedian. I can even laugh at a comedian who's making fun of conservatives if it's funny. Trevor Noah is just objectively an unfunny person. He is not funny. He did say something true, though, um, which I will give him credit for. It wasn't funny, but it was true about the fact that Saudi Arabia, when Biden called Saudi Arabia to ask them about, you know, increasing our oil consumption of Saudi Arabia oil as we are going off Russian oil, they didn't answer Biden's call. And this is what Trevor Noah had to say about it. Take a listen. There is no denying that Saudi Arabia isn't playing ball with Joe Biden. And you know what? You can say what you want, but this would have never happened to Donald Trump. Never. No one was ever ignoring Donald Trump's calls. Yeah, because if you ignored Donald Trump's calls, you didn't know how he would respond. Maybe he'd send an angry tweet, or maybe he'd just, like, ban your country from everything. You don't know. That's why I bet in these situations, Biden actually wishes that he could hire Trump to step in as president wildcard. You know, just keep everyone on their toes. Because if Trump was calling, you best believe the UAE, they'd be racing to pick up the phone. Oh, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, we're here. We're here. Hello? Too late, Ahmed. You made me wait two rings. We're bombing the UAE and the UFC, just in case. Can you imagine? By the way, the White House denies this happened, to which I say, yeah, right. Yeah, right. I do not believe that. I do not believe the White House here. So instead of, instead of a president like Donald Trump, who left all options on the table, um, which caused adversaries to both fear and respect him and listen to him and said, we now have a White House under Joe Biden that um, briefs TikTok stars on the Russia-Ukraine war. This is what the Washington Post reported. On Thursday afternoon, 30 top TikTok stars gathered on a Zoom call to receive key information about the war unfolding in Ukraine. National Security Council staffers and White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki briefed the influencers about the United States' strategic goals in the region and answered questions on distributing aid to Ukrainians, working with NATO, and how the United States would react to a Russian use of nuclear arms. TikTok stars. 
our own vice president doesn't understand that the U.S. is not, or that Ukraine is not part of NATO, but the press secretary is spending time with TikTok stars. Propaganda is what that's called. Propaganda. So if this is a question. This is a question that we should be asking. Who, who is the best to take on the radical left? Because the radical left needs to be taken on. We need to defeat the radical left. And it's been, it's, it's never has it been clearer than perhaps in the past week. The interview that President Trump did on YouTube that garnered over 5 million views in the first 24 hours that it was posted was blocked by YouTube. Why? Because it's President Trump. Because big tech is an arm of the Democratic Party. Google sent a notice to the frontline doctors. This is what this is what the frontline doctors, Dr. Simone Gold, she tweeted this. She said, wow, Google sent notice stating that they will be removing the America's frontline doctors website from search results. We are a team of medical doctors who dared to speak the truth and we have been proven right again and again and again. This is what the Google notice said. Quote, your site appears to violate our medical content policy and contains content primarily aimed at providing medical advice, diagnosis, and treatment for commercial purposes. Nor do we allow content from any other or from any site that contradicts or runs contrary to scientific or medical consensus and evidence-based best practices. Like my friends, this is Chinese communist level censorship where you are not even allowed to have a website where your, where your content, this is a quote, contradicts scientific or medical consensus. Like, do we not remember when scientific and medical consensus said that the earth was flat or that using leeches on your body to bleed you was the way to heal disease. These are not infallible persons. This, this is not, this is not, we're not talking about God here. We're talking about the radical left. We're talking about medical science, which is an ongoing thing. E even if it was free from the corruption of big pharma and politics, medicine is still an imperfect and, and an imperfect science. It's the art of medicine. We're constantly learning and discovering new things. So it's never, it can never not be questioned. That's even aside from the fact that it's completely corrupted by politics and big pharma. Yet Google is not going to allow this website to show up in their search results because they don't like what's on the website. Meanwhile, this is two out of three examples. DuckDuckGo, the browser that does not track you whatsoever, that has no cookies, that doesn't document you, they've essentially ruined their business model. The one thing that they had going for them, um, this, this idea that you have privacy and that they are not going to play an editorial role in their search engine results, they shot that. They shot themselves in the foot this weekend. This is what um, the CEO said, quote, like so many others, I am sickened by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the gigantic humanitarian crisis it continues to create. Hashtag stand with Ukraine. At DuckDuckGo, we've been rolling out search updates that downrank sites associated with Russian disinformation. In addition to downranking sites associated with disinformation, we also often place news modules and information boxes at the top of DuckDuckGo search results where they are seen and clicked the most to highlight quality information for rapidly unfolding topics. So they've, they've actually just become an editor. They have ruined their own business model of privacy and not ranking search results. Um, they're now just like the rest of big tech. Listen, this, this is actually, this reason, this is actually how I became such good friends with Dave um, because he understood the threat of cancel culture having been on Patreon. He's the one who understood that you can't just build a surface level competitor like Parler to compete with these big tech apparatus that are serving the interests of the Democratic Party. He understood that you have to build your own infrastructure. You have to build your own server farms. You have to build your own um, parallel economy, if you will, in order to 
in order to truly compete, not just on the surface level, that's that's why he that's why he created Locals. That's why Locals it partnered or was acquired by Rumble. This is talking about this 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 um, what we face as creators, as conservatives, as Americans. This is why Dave Rubin and I became friends. This is this is something that's so important, so important to both of us. This is something that's so important to the country. We are we are compatriots in this fight. Um, and it's interesting. I started reading, this is a little tangential, but not so much. I think you'll follow along with my with my train of thought here. This weekend, I started reading a book by Stephanie Kelton. Stephanie Kelton is one of the lead proponents of modern monetary theory, which we talked about two weeks ago. Anybody who wants to listen to that episode, it's called Why the Democrats Hate Crypto. Highly recommended. I mean, I know it's my own work. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but we're going to be talking about this a lot. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to my episode called Why Democrats Hate Crypto. Stephanie Kelton is one of the leading voices. She's a professor at Stony Brook University. She's one of the leading voices um, in favor of modern monetary theory. Modern monetary theory is this bananas idea that it, if you are, if your government is the issuer of a fiat currency, like the United States government is, the Fed is with the US dollar, that you don't have to worry about debt. You don't have to worry about deficit. That's just a historical record of how much you've spent that you should issue currency to fund your political agenda. You, that politicians shouldn't have to say, well, how do we pay for this pet project? How do we fund this legislation? Where does the money come from? Is this worth spending taxpayer money on? That's the traditional, normal, <laughs> sensible, workable economic thought as it pertains to legislation. Stephanie Kelton says that politicians shouldn't have to ask those questions, that governments should just, or the government, like the U.S. government, should just print as much money as they need. This is a key, a critical strategy of the left in how they are going to make sure that their agenda comes to fruition, whether it's Medicare for all, whether it's the Green New Deal, whether it's their, their crazy stimulus, uh, COVID stimulus that didn't really turn out to be a COVID stimulus. It turned out to be, I don't know, a bunch of corrupt redistribution of wealth practices. This is how they fund that because there's no way that tax dollars could fund that. So they just print it. They print it and they call, they tell you it's a crisis. They tell you it's climate change. They tell you it's gun violence. They tell you it's COVID. And then underneath, Underneath all of this are all of the agenda items like a $15 minimum wage and a wealth tax and um, all different all different kinds of pre-existing Democrat agenda items. The way that they pay for this is through monetary, modern monetary policy, the government just printing the money that they need. So I started reading her book this weekend. We're reading this, by the way, as a group on my locals, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. I'm reading this and posting, um, well, the highlights to the crazy things that she says. And when I'm reading this, I, I had an interesting thought. I thought, you know what? We are at a very interesting point in our country where everything that the radical left stands for has a name. Everything that we are facing, they actually title. They give it a name, whether it's modern monetary theory. I mean, they call it a name. They define what it is. Whether it's critical race theory, they, they give it a name. They call it what it is. Whether it's gender ideology, they give it a name. They call it what it is. Whether it's the Great Reset, they give it a name. They define what it is. Whether it's Marxism in general, they give it a name. They define what it is. We are actually, this, this is, gives us as Republicans the advantage. Because when someone gives something a name, like modern monetary theory or the Great Reset, or critical race theory, to give it a name means that they have to define it. When something's defined, that means that there is going to be academic work related to it. That means there's going to be writing on it. That means there's going to be books published about it. And so it gives us, or it makes us, it leaves us with no excuse not to understand what we're facing. It leaves us with no reason why we wouldn't be able to defeat every single one of these ideologies because they tell us exactly what it is. They define it. They explain it. They tactically 
plan how they're going to implement it in our country. And so it leaves us, we then have the responsibility to read this garbage, which in a sense, it's fun to read as a group, just like it was fun to watch the State of the Union. We have to read this garbage um, in order to understand it. And if we understand it, then we can put a stop to it. So if you will, join me on Locals, read along with this book. Whether you want to get the book and read it with me, whether you want to just follow along, um, and I'll point out the highlights, which I find to be important, please join us. It's very important that we understand what the problem is before we create a plan for how to fix the problem. We have to understand the ideology of the radical left, what it is that they want for our country, how they plan to implement this. Then we have to understand, given their strategy, their tactics, and their ideology, then we can plan for how to stop it whether it's at the big tech level, whether it's the culture war that's happening here in Florida, whether it's convincing the American people um, that conservative limited government values and policies best serve their needs, their pre-existing needs. If we don't understand the problem that, the problem, not the problem, if we don't understand what it is that the radical left wants for our country in detail, then we are not going to be able to fix it. I'm going to leave you today with a video that I found to be absolutely freaking hysterical. I don't even care if this is unkind to this person. Jussie Smollett was sentenced to 150 days in jail for staging a hate crime against himself. I know, we are all just so relieved that Jussie Smollett's attacker is now going to jail or is in jail now. This is how he reacted to his sentencing. Take a look. I'm fashioning the following sentence, and here's your sentence. I'm sentencing you to 30 months felony probation, and the probation is gonna to be to this court. You're going to be allowed to travel wherever you want. You do not have to live in the state of Illinois. You can report by phone. I know that uh, if you're going to try to make a living and do some of the things you do, you may have to go to uh, other uh, places, New York and Los Angeles. You can do those things. You will pay restitution to the city of Chicago in the amount of $120,106. You are fined $25,000, which is the maximum fine. And you will spend the first 150 days of your sentence in the Cook County Jail. And that will start today, right here, right now. Mr. Smollett, though the jury found you guilty and I've sentenced you as I have, you have the right to appeal the findings and rulings of the court or ask your sentence to be modified. To do those things, you need to file a notice of appeal in writing within 30 days. You may also file a motion to modify your sentence, which would have to be filed in writing within 30 days. Anything not stated in those filings are waived for purposes of appeal. You cannot afford lawyers or transcripts. They would be provided for your charge. Do you have any questions? No, I would just like to say to Your Honor that I am, uh, I am not suicidal. That's what I was about to say. Okay. I am not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. Your Honor, I respect you and I respect the jury, but I did not do this. And I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself. And you must all know that. I respect you, Your Honor. I respect your decision. Jail time. I am not suicidal. Okay. This is why he was underpaid on Empire. Because he's a terrible actor. This is amateur theatrics. Absolutely amateur theatrics. And I mean, he deserves to go to jail, maybe even longer than that. But thank goodness this judge is sending him to jail. 
Um, I do want to talk to you quickly about ExpressVPN. If you use the internet without ExpressVPN, it's like having a first aid kit, but not keeping it stocked up. Most of the time, you'll probably be fine. But what if suddenly you get into a horrible accident and there's nothing in your first aid kit to help you stop the bleeding? So why does everyone need a VPN? Well, every time you connect to an encrypted network, cafes, hotels, airports, any hacker on the same network can gain access to your personal data. And it doesn't take much technical knowledge to hack someone, just some cheap hardware is needed. In fact, a smart 12-year-old could probably do it. Your data is valuable. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person selling your personal information on the dark web. Fortunately, we have ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. Hackers cannot then steal your sensitive data. It's super secure. It'd take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. It's easy to use. Fire up the app and click one button to get protected. It works on all devices, phones, laptops, tablets, and more. You can stay secure on the go. I personally like ExpressVPN because I don't have to worry about my identity being stolen or my family's safety and security online. So secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash Liz. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Liz. And you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash Liz. Expressvpn.com slash Liz. Also, please join us over on Locals at LizWheelerShow.com slash Locals. I don't know if you guys heard that Haley Bieber, the wife of Justin Bieber, suffered a blood clot to her brain. Um, am I the only one that heard that? This is a 25-year-old woman, a young woman who's otherwise healthy. Am I the only one that heard that and thought, is this related to the COVID vaccine? I had some thoughts about that over on Locals. LizWheelerShow.com slash Locals. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. A huge thank you to Dave Rubin and his wonderful team. You can't see them, but they're sitting behind the camera. Thank you so much for allowing me to film in your studio today. Um, I look forward to spending the day with you here in Miami, Florida, the land of sunshine, skepticism, and science. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.